Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey guys, this is Mike Badano, and you're listening to Sarcastic Remarks. Hey guys, welcome back to Sarcastic Remarks. My name is Ryan, and like always, we appreciate you guys listening to this episode. Uh, we've got a very special episode here today. Um, we didn't do our normal episode on Wednesday because, you know, with the summer going on, both uh, Chris and James are extremely busy, and I don't think anybody wants to hear me talking for an hour. So I just kind of push it off, and we'll, we'll start back with that on Wednesday. We've also got some more uh, fan stories coming up for you. But today is a very special episode because we have the Stars beat writer from The Athletic, and he's also a producer and hosts some shows on 96.7 The Ticket. Uh, we have Saad Youssef, who is graciously agreed uh to kind of talk with us some stars hockey hey Saad, how are you doing today i'm doing good man how are you doing good uh Saad is not a stranger to the show it, it's we've changed it quite a bit since we've last talked uh, it was about a year ago but um we got a lot of uh questions we, we like to ask you if that's okay and i mean we're gonna go everything from like uh obviously we got to talk about head coaching a little bit um you know, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the past season and maybe what you thought about it. And uh, there's quite a few like off season topics. And then th- then we got a couple of Twitter questions uh, some awesome. from some people who uh, uh, who uh, were just curious about uh, what you thought about their uh, questions. So but what I want to get into first is uh, the head coaching, because that seems to be kind of the big thing surrounding most of the teams right now that are outside of the playoffs and are not currently in the playoffs. So uh, while we're doing this interview, we're waiting for game two to happen on Saturday uh, between the Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning. But recently, Bruce Cassidy accepted the job as the Vegas Golden Knights head coach. Um, At the time of this recording, the Stars are still looking for a head coach. Now, before I get into any kind of names and anything like that, uh, Saad, what I'd like to ask you is, 
what kind of coach do you think the stars really need? Because when you look back at the past, we've had like almost extremes to opposite ends. We've had Lindy Ruff, who it was fun. It was offensive. It was a lot of that. And, you know, we were the best team in the league, but we didn't do well in the playoffs. And then we had the crazy complete opposite of Ken Hitchcock with his second time around and Rick bonus. So it, is is that something that we need to focus on? Do we need an offensively minded coach? Do we need someone balanced? What, what do you think? Yeah, I think balance is always the the way that you want to go. And, and that's, that's an ideal world that you do want the balance. Now, I think what's kind of, I guess, flying under the radar a little bit when it comes to discussing coaches is that it's not just about the head coach, in my opinion. Um, it, it's also about the staff that he's going to bring in underneath because that's going to have a lot to do with it. Like, whatever you felt about Rick Bonus last year, um, the power play that went completely dormant and just was not even was not even a factor in any way for the second half of the season, that's not really on Rick Bonus, right? Like, that's on Derek Laxdahl. And so, like, you have to you have to have a good staff altogether. And, of course, you do want to hit the, uh, the the balance. Now, I won't I, like you know I I can give my opinion if if you want, but what but I'll tell you what the stars' opinion is and what they're looking for, and what they're looking for is someone who can maintain the defensive structure that they have in place and that they've kind of learned to play with over the last three or four years, and they want to maintain that, but then inject offense into it. So I would say that the focus is still to keep the defensive structure intact. It's not so like, obviously this team needs offense. Anybody with, with any kind of uh, hockey sense knows that just by watching them. But I think, you know, you could have, they could have had the mindset of like, all right, we need to just score, score, score. And then we'll see if the defense can stick around or not. That's not what the mindset is here. The mindset is the defense is the base that needs to stay in place. Now let's see how the offense can take itself to another level which it desperately really does need to go to. And if you look at the two teams who are currently in the Stanley Cup final right now, I think they're two perfect examples of exactly what I think the Stars are trying to do. I mean, Tampa is known for their shutdown defense, and especially this year. They've done that to some of the best teams in the NHL. And then, you know, Colorado the past couple of years, they couldn't get out of the second round. And then they finally got over that hump this year. And I think a lot of it has to do with not necessarily like the offensive play of Kale McCarr, who is amazing in that right, but the defensive side of the game for the Colorado Avalanche has gotten tremendously better. So I, I, I agree with you 100% in what the Stars, uh, they need to imitate that if they want to get to that level. Yeah, I think that I, I think so. And, and like you said, like I, I think, you know, st- some Stars fans might be a little scarred just by hearing defensive hockey as much as they have in the last three years, but there's, there's definitely real value to that. Like that you do have to play good defense and that good defense doesn't just mean goaltender standing on head. Like that's not good defense. And so you have to play good. You know, it, it takes me back to a conversation I actually had with, uh, with Brayden Holpe in, in the early parts of the season in October, November, I actually sat down with him and I asked him like, you know, because obviously, you know, he got off to a good start in Dallas uh, early on in the season before the injuries really took a toll. But I asked him, I was like, you know, you're coming off of a off year in Vancouver and you're all of a sudden you're back to being Braden Holpe again. Like what happened? And he was like, 
yeah, it's just, you know, the defensive structure is just different than what it was in Vancouver. And it's not even talking about the talent, which obviously with Mira Haskinen leading the charge and a few other guys there, the talent is is solid on the blue line, but it's not just about the talent. It's about having that structure in place, which the stars do. And, and you know what? They have a 23-year-old uh, young goaltender, and they're going to need to make sure that they protect them as much as possible. But they still need to score offense. Like, they still need to score goals. That that cannot be something that's just thrown on a back burner because the offense, unless you actively do something about it, it's not going to just take care of itself or anything like that. It's going to take uh, a, a real plan and a real system to be put in place. All good points. There's so many rabbit holes I want to jump down, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to them eventually. But um, sticking with the head coaching thing a little bit, um, I think I already know the answer to my own question when it comes to you and what you think. But there's this this idea in the NHL about the coaching carousel, right? So once you get an NHL head coaching job, you're in the you know the head coaching carousel in the NHL. And a lot of teams seem to be going with just recycling old coaches, right? And what I would personally like to see is somebody outside of the carousel. And I can point back to Jim Montgomery which, uh, you know, I, I really hate the way that it ended. I wish it had ended, but ended better. But you can't deny the fact that he figured out a way to make the Dallas Stars successful, and Rick Bonus jumped on the coattails of that after uh, Jim Montgomery was fired. So I, I think there's an argument to be made that it's good to get a coach from the outside of the carousel. But in your opinion, if, if it was you making the decision, if you're the GM, would you be going with somebody who's inside the coaching carousel or outside the coaching carousel? And and give me some reasons why or why not. Um, I personally in this, so it's also depends on what situation you're in and with the situation that the stars are in, namely with the GM having one year left on his contract and not knowing what the future holds outside of that, that's that, that definitely plays into just what kind of security the coach is going to feel someone that's been in the carousel versus someone that hasn't. Now, you know, I, I was asked this on Twitter um, the other day and I kind of just, you know, without much explanation said like, you know, the three guys that I would personally be looking for are uh, Grumberg, um, uh, the Finnish coach, Delanin and uh, Mark, uh, Mark Savard. Those are, those are guys that like, I would personally, like, again, if I was the GM, I would probably look hard into those guys. Um, my understanding is that the stars are looking more into the, the guys that have kind of like, you know, been around now, the reason, the reasoning for both sides is valid. Like I understand both sides and uh, of the argument, the retread or the, or the brand new route, because the roster that the stars have guys like Tyler Sagan, Jamie Ben, Joe Pavelski, these guys have been around the league for a long time. And there's a certain respect factor that even Jim Neal referred to when I talked to him last week um, that like, you know, you have to know what you're doing. You can't, you can't try to fake it till you make it when you have a guy like Joe Pavelski, who is arguably the most respected, one of the most respected players in the NHL. Like he's been through this. He knows this, like he doesn't want to come in and, and see a guy trying to figure it, figure things out right now. And so I understand that argument as well. On the flip side, you have a lot of young talent. And, you know, in the case of Savard, you have a guy who's literally coaching one of your most promising talents in the juniors. 
So there's a lot of like, you know, different sides to it. Um, I don't, the one thing that I will say is I don't think that just because you hire someone that's already been a head coach or, or versus someone that's new, it, 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 to me, it's a, it's, it's a point that like, it's pointless to get lost into. Um, it's not that much about what their history is. For me, it's about what are you going to do going forward? And what is your system? Like, what is, what are your priorities going to be? Because you know what, like, th- like there are a lot of guys that like, look, Ken Hitchcock was a retro, right? And like Stanley cup champion and like, and, and everything that didn't work out so well, did it? And so I think that's kind of where you have to, you know, you have to t- evaluate things differently, but I, I don't think, I don't put too much stock into like, you know, has this guy been a coach because situations are different across the league. And then, you know, if it's someone that was just stuck in a really bad situation, maybe he can come and have more success in Dallas. It's possible. And I, I like that. I was actually going to be my next question was the, the Twitter comment that you made, because uh, I mean, I don't know if you know my personal opinion, I would love Mark Savard would be my pick and it, it just makes sense to me, but you know, Chris, Chris and James and I have kind of beat that kind of, with a dead horse kind of already. We've talked so much about Mark Savard and why we want him to be here. But I did want to ask you about those other two guys uh, that you mentioned, because, you know, uh, the thing across the NHL is not to bring in, the, you know, European coaches. That's, that just not seems to not be a thing. So can you kind of enlighten us about those, uh, those two guys a little bit, and then maybe why you thought they would be a good fit for the stars? Yeah, well, I think, first of all, the reason for the, the hesitation, I would say, to bring over European coaches is, is again, somewhat valid. It's kind of a microcosm of the reasoning is kind of what we saw from Jacob Peterson this year in the sense that you come over, it's a whole different sheet of ice. It's a it's a different size. It's, you know, the game is different. The, the just the flow and everything. It's just it's just so much different. And so I understand where, you know some of that hesitation comes from. But when I look at these guys like, like uh, Jelenin in, uh, in with the Finnish team, he's won at every level. He's been so successful. He obviously knows what he's doing. Um, I would say this, whether the stars had one Finnish player or five, it's not really about that. Like this isn't, uh, this isn't, um, this isn't something where, you know, you're just trying to have a good look or something like, no, you've got to be able to coach hockey. And, the guy has proven that he can coach hockey at a high level. He's won championships. He's won. He, he's won at the highest level as recently as this February, right? So, um, so he's done a lot. And then, you know, same thing with the, the thing with the the Swedish coach. It's just, you know, when you look at just the remarks that a lot of people have made around him, it sounds like he's kind of getting ready to make that jump. I just think with him and really both of them, really, I think what they might have to do is be an assistant on a staff um, in the NHL. And that's kind of going to be their way in. I don't know if a team will bring them in directly. Um, That might be taking too much of a leap and it definitely might be taking too much of a leap for a team whose GM is again on the final year of his contract. And I think the other thing about this is, and I'll ask you about this later, but this team is in a very interesting situation. It's really weird. And, and the fact that you've got all these, you know, all these veterans, you've got a bunch of young guys, you know, are we a bubble playoff team? Are we a playoff contender? Or are we, are we, 
you know, what what are we? And it, it, that seems to be kind of iffy. And I, I think adding that on top of the fact that, you know, Jim Neal is in the final year of his contract. Um, I, I think all of those are, are factors. And I forget who it was on Twitter. I think it was uh, Pierre Lebrun who mentioned something about that. You kind of inferred that. But um, let me ask you about the the obvious pick right now, you know, rumors all across social media. It looks like Pete DeBoer it might be the pick. Um, what do you think of him, and what, And do you think he would be a good fit? Is there some good things about him? What are some bad things about him? Just What do, what do you think overall? Well, from a fit standpoint, um, I don't know how much Stars fans are going to like to hear this, but it's just it's it's a it's a, in a in a lot of ways it's going to be an extension of Rick Bonus. Like it's going to be a similar style of hockey. Again, that's something that like you know I you've obviously like watched teams that are coached by him and stuff like that. But I just straight up you know asked like asked my colleague uh, Jesse Granger who's covered him in Vegas most recently, and and you know that's what he said as well that it's really just more of a. Uh, you know, defensive minded and, and, you know, kind of how I think, I I think like you can be defensive minded, but like you still need to keep offense to be a priority and have more of a formula there to, to, I guess, uh, you know, generate that offense. And that's kind of where I guess I would have my hesitation a little bit with, uh, with Pete DeBoer as well, but you know, yeah, it, it is going to be to, to quote, to quote, uh, to to quote my colleague, he said, you know, DeBoer instills a detail-oriented defensive style of hockey that emphasizes possession when his team has the puck. Like that sounds very similar to everything we've heard over the last, uh, over the last, you know, few years. Um, he goes on to say his breakouts are very structured and precise, leaving little room for spontaneity. Um, and then says they were effective with that in Vegas, and then went on to say offensively, DeBoer prefers. Uh, his team to hold on to the puck, send it to the, send it back to the point, and take long range shots, looking for screens, deflections, and rebound opportunities. Again, it's it, it's a lot of what the stars have been doing. I'm not saying, um, well, obviously it hasn't been working because they they haven't been scoring at a higher clip. But you know they have personnel that I think that can really go either way. Whether they go into this to continue this more, I guess, conservative style or open the ice up. Um, I think they could go either way, and it's and DeBoer seems to be more of kind of what uh, the the way that Rick Bonus kind of had in the last few years. Yeah, and and like you mentioned, I mean, you you got players here who are who are really good at that. I mean, assuming Klingberg stays here, he's a perfect representation of somebody who can get shots through from the point. You've got Pavelski, who is the best uh, tipper in the NHL, and that's how we got a majority of his goals, a majority of his points was through that avenue. And, uh, and yeah, it, it sounds like a, a pretty good fit. Now that, like you said, stars fans may not be very happy to hear about that and maybe me a little bit too, but you know, if that's the players we have and that's the way that we're going to be successful, I mean, you, you got to go with that Avenue. We don't have a lot of guys, uh, that are like the, the Nathan McKinnons of the world and the, the Connor McDavid's that can, you know, just out dangle everybody. We've got rope hints who can probably do that. That's about the only guy off the top of my head. And then maybe yeah, I think Miro. Miro, I was about to say Miro yeah. can do that kind of too. But th- th- we don't have like a ton of players who are based off of that. So it, it, I think it would be a good fit. Um, now, the only thing with Pete DeBoer that, and I brought this up in one of our episodes, 
in why I would be worried with him as a head coach is was his relationship with Robin Leonard in Vegas. So uh, obviously we we know the story with all of that. Um, Robin Leonard was playing hurt through the playoff or through the end of the season, excuse me, and he pretty much sort of kind of threw his goalie under the bus and you know a lot of people point to that relationship souring as one of the reasons why he was fired from Vegas um and it's also cuz Vegas is crazy and they just go after anything with a shiny penny but mm-hmm. um what it, should we be worried about that when it comes to Pete DeBoer or do you think that was just a a one time situation cuz i really don't want that kind of relationship to happen with Jay Gottinger cuz he seems like I'm going to win a cup in Dallas. You know, he's an up and coming young goaltender. He showed everybody in the first round of the playoffs that he's one of the best goalies uh, when he's on his game. So is that something that we should be worried about with uh, Pete DeBoer? Um, well, first of all, just a disclaimer. I, I, I just don't know Pete like that. Like, I, I don't know him. I don't know exactly what happened with Robert Leonard. So that so that's, you know, I don't want to I don't I don't want to sound over my head. But I will say that I, I wouldn't be overly concerned about that. And the reason has really nothing to do with DeBoer or whoever the next coach is. It's just the fact that Jake Ottinger has such a great relationship with Jeff Reese. And Jeff Reese was retained even when the coaching staff was cleared out. And that, that's, that's huge. Like, like, I've talked to Ottinger plenty of times throughout the season. That relationship is different. Like, it, it, like I, I feel like no matter who the coach is and who the coach was, like Rick Bonus had a great relationship with Jake Ottinger. There's no question about it. Um, he went to bat for him publicly in press conferences, didn't throw him under the bus and things like that. But a lot of it just boils down to Jeff Reese. Like it, it's one of those things that, you know, Ottinger is going to be in a good situation in Dallas, no matter who the next coach is, because Jeff Reese is still going to be here. And even if, the coach is a little bit more rigid the way that DeBoer maybe could be, maybe is. I don't, I don't know that, but if, if that is the case, then you have a mediator in Jeff Reese who, who understands Ottinger, who has literally been around Ottinger since the day he was drafted and came to development camp and all that kind of stuff. So you have a guy, I, I think that's the biggest reason why I wouldn't be concerned about it is just the sole reason that Jeff Reese is here and he is going to be the Jake Ottinger whisperer before any head coaches. And you kind of mentioned that at the beginning is that, you know, there's a lot of people that pay too much attention to the head coach when, you know, it's really the whole coaching staff. So that's a really good point. Um, okay, uh, so let me kind of transition from here a little bit because I kind of want to talk about just the season overall and then some questions that I had about the organization and like the direction of this team. Um at the end of the playoffs, after we lost a game seven. Of course, you know, as a Dallas Stars fan, I was pretty devastated. But I had that sense of hope at the same time, right? Because we have all these young guys coming up. We have young guys who are the present and the future of this team. You got Robertson. You've got Hintz, Haskinen, Ottinger. You have that new core, which I believe that it's really going to be transferred to them uh, over the next couple of years. But when I looked back at the season, I couldn't come up with an idea of if I thought that this past season was a success or whether it was a failure. And I had pros and cons. You know, I even made a list. I went through, I was just like, okay, these are the reasons why it was a successful season. Okay. This is why it was not successful. Um, 
if I had to ask you that same question, what would you say to that, to answer that? Would, is, is, was this past season a success or was it a failure? Um, in, in the in the big picture, I would say it's a failure. I mean, you don't you, you just don't let go of a coach or part ways with a coach after a successful season, um, you know. And, and the other thing is that, and, and you know, I people like to argue with me about this a lot, and and I, I you know about what what the expectation is for the stars, and a lot of people like to like to go at that. And look, it does like my 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 whole point is that. Like, you know, as a fan, you're, you're free to have whatever expectation you want of the team that you root for, whatever. As a journalist, I'm telling you just like what the, the organization expects from, from the, this season, for example. And going into this season, when this organization knew John Klingberg, Alexander Radulov, Rick Bonus, they knew all these guys were on expiring deals. Their expectation, whether it was realistic or not, was Stanley Cup or bust. They were two years removed from a Stanley Cup appearance, final appearance. They believed that this group had that in them. Now, obviously, they didn't even make it out of the first round, even though they did give Calgary a good fight. But, um, but they didn't make it out of the first round. So just by that, by that standard, I would say it's a failure. Now, did good things happen throughout the process? Of course. Like, I mean, Jason Robertson, yeah, we saw him become the you know runner up to the Calder the year before but this was Jason Robertson's coming out party we yeah Jake Ottinger was around the NHL that last season but that Colorado game in February that was his coming out party like the 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 Calgary series was was his big moment you know like those things happened so um I I do think that good things did come out of it but overall just from a win-loss standpoint from what where the organization fell at the end, I, I would say that it was a failure. So, because here's, here's my thought, because, and this kind of goes into my next question a little bit, because it almost seems like the the Stars are fine with being on, on the bubble of the playoff line. It almost seems like. So, like, I mean, when I think of the Stars, I don't think of them in the same sentence as the true Stanley Cup contenders. So, obviously, the two teams that are uh, in the Stanley Cup final right now, the Avs and the Lightning, I mean, I wouldn't put them in the same conversation as, you know, uh, I don't know who else, the Hurricanes, the maybe slightly the Panthers just because they were good this year, but, you know, they, they just hadn't had sustained playoff success. But... It almost seems like that the team and the organization itself is okay being like just on the bubble playoff line. Because in all reality, we should have been the second wild card. And it was just because Nashville was terrible towards the end of the season and the reason why we got to play Calgary. So is that a fair representation? Is my thought process a fair representation of what the Stars are thinking or did they really think that hey this is a true stanley cup contender we can beat these teams on a regular basis yeah so there's a couple of layers to this and 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 this is a good question but there's a couple of layers to it like the first layer i would say is the stars and not, not just the stars there's quite a few teams around the league that have this belief that you build roster there there's two there's two rosters that that play during a season there's the regular season roster and there's a playoff roster the stars they try to build their roster that they the goal is 
again, I'm not saying they succeed and I'm not saying that it happened. I'm just saying the goal for the way that they build their roster is with the playoffs in mind. They don't really care if they get in as the second wild card or as the conference champions or win the president's trophy. For them, it's what they, they want to get in the playoffs and then be successful in the playoffs. And so, you know, taking Calgary to seven a few years ago, taking St. Louis to seven after beating Nashville, obviously the Stanley Cup run. Uh, that's kind of what they're looking at is like once we get in, we being the stars, like once they get in, can they then be successful? That is what they're looking for. So I think that's one thing when it comes to roster construction, like people might say, well, this is going to be like, you know, a top wildcard team, second wildcard team. And that's fine. That may be true, but that's not the stars are more focused on the playoffs and then trying to make a run from there. And the other thing I will say, that's the hockey side of things. The other thing that like, you know, unfortunately, like you just can't really, I guess, lose sight of is professional sports are a business. And Dallas is not uh, a premier hockey market. It's not Toronto. It's not Montreal, right? Like it's not Detroit. Like the, it, it, I, I am thoroughly obviously impressed with just, you know, the stars fan base and stars fans and everything like that. But it just kind of is what it is, right? Like it's, this is Cowboys country and, you know, Luca, Luca runs the city and, and all those kind of <laughs> things. And like, so the organization understands this as well. And, they they have to make sure that they don't lose relevancy. They don't just go into some into some deep rebuild or something like that. And the, you go into deep rebuilds when you really really shoot really high. And and you know sometimes you succeed, sometimes you don't. But the way that the stars kind of do it is that they want to keep their floor high and then go for as high as they can to, for the ceiling from there. And so it's kind of a confusing little like you know pretzel of a situation uh but it but it kind of is what it is where you know they're it's not that they're not trying to win look in 2019 that that trade deadline when they went and got Matt Zuccarello when they go and got Jamie Alexiak and 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 you know just Lovejoy and all these guys and I I believe Cogliano that year as well Mm -hmm. like when they find when, when they see a spot that they can go and go for it all they definitely have that to do that. They definitely want to do that, but they also want to make sure that they have the next Wyatt Johnston, the next Maverick Bork and the next Thomas Harley and the next Logan Stankov. And they want to make sure that these guys are in the pipeline and you can't draft those guys if you're always trading those picks away. So that's kind of their philosophy in terms of how they approach trying to play in the playoffs, how they approach every season and also just the just the real business side of it. Yeah, and a lot of good points there. And I I love that you brought all those up because that, that was exactly my uh, my thinking. But you put it a lot more elo- eloquently than I could have. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, uh, my next question kind of is more so about the players from this past season and, you know, going forward. And there's a couple in particular that have been in a lot of minds of Dallas Stars fans, and I'm, I'm sure you already know who I'm talking about. But who are some players that you were really impressed with this season? You kind of mentioned Robertson already. And then maybe who are some players that you were really disappointed in or who you thought should have taken the next step or who you thought should have been better? Yeah, I think I was really... The, the guy that I was probably most impressed with was Jake Ottinger, I, w- I would say... Uh, Robertson was definitely impressive as a 40 goal scorer, but 
whether it's my skewed vantage point of viewing him or whatever, I, I almost kind of expected that from him, um, um, <laughs> which is which which is high praise for him, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I, but like, I I I you know I, I see his work ethic, I see how much how the way that he is, and I almost kind of I, maybe not forty goals, but I just expected him to take the next step. Uh, Rope hints. We all saw the, what he did when he was playing on one leg last season. So you knew when he was going to be healthy that he was going to play play well. So Jake Ottinger was the one that was really impressive to me, um, especially because, like, you know, the highlight performances that he had starting with that game in Colorado um, and then, you know, on down the road when Hopi was injured and their back was Adam Scheel and he's starting, like, some crazy, ridiculous 19 out of, 20 games or something like that. And then for the playoffs that he had, obviously ridiculously impressive. Um, I think he probably would headline for me, the guy that I was most impressed by. Um, and then on the other side of it, like, you know, you definitely wanted to see more from Dennis Gurionov, um, and you definitely wanted to see more from John Klingberg. Um, Jamie Ben maybe as well probably falls in that. Although kind of how I said that my expectation for Robertson became to where I wasn't surprised by uh, how great he was. The other side is true for Jamie Ben, where I think I just don't really have much expectation of him being a huge, uh, you know, I guess impact player on a night to night basis. So I wasn't that surprised. Um, Tyler Sagan, you know, fans, fans, fans might get onto him. Yeah, really that went, that season went exactly as I thought it was going to go. Um, he was going to have a tough season coming out of the gate for sure. Um, he picked up steam going and going uh, into the second half of the season. I don't I don't think everybody really understands how ridiculous of an injury and rehab he actually did go through. So uh, I, I think Gurionov and Klingberg are probably the two guys that probably left me wanting more um, this season, though. Hey, Stars fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So uh, that's actually, this is like a perfect segue into some off-season talk of what I wanted to get into. And the first one I wanted to talk about was specifically with Garyanov. So at the time of this recording, Garyanov has signed a qualifying offer deal for one year for $2.9 million. That was the lowest that he could sign for. So it's almost like he understood that he hadn't been playing very well and that, you know, he kind of knew that he wasn't going to be able to to negotiate for more. Um, But with that $2.9 million cap hit, there's, there's some expectations that come with that. And I I love Dennis Garyanov 
with all of my heart. I really do. He's he's been here for 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 forever. You know, he was a first round pick back in 2015, 16, one of the one of the two years. And it almost feels like that this is his last chance. And I know that's crazy considering he's still pretty young. He's still in his like mid twenties. I think he's twenty three, twenty four. No, I think but, he's twenty six now. I oh, he's twenty six. I think so. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. So I'm so I'm way off then on that case. Okay. Yeah. Well, he, 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 well uh, twenty five. Twenty five. Okay. So yeah. all right. So mid twenties. All right. Yeah. So, but it, it, okay. Well, it still doesn't change my thought press. All of my thought process here, but. With that $2.9 million cap hit, do you think that this is really his last chance with the Stars? And then with that $2.9 million cap hit, what would your like expectations of him be this season? Because I think I've set myself said, with, like, I was thinking like 20 goals, like 50 points, and he's got to be more defensively responsible. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean it's it's a hard question to answer right now without a without a head coach in place, um, just because I don't know how um, the the structure of the roster will be. Right, like are there going to be three lines and a designated checking line, or is there going to be no checking line and it's just like you're just going one through twelve and and like the the coach is going to factor in greatly to me uh, in what my expectations for Gurianov are going to be. Um, do I think it's his last chance in Dallas? I, I do. I, I think this this is kind of it for him. Um, and I think that if he if he doesn't really blow them out of the water in the first few months, um, even if he's having a decent season, I could see him being moved at the trade deadline. Um, it, that wouldn't surprise me either. Um, if another if another team now if he's just absolutely down in the dumps through the first few months, then there's no trade market for him anyways. But if he's even, you know, just average and, and not that great, um, I could see the stars looking to move him then as well. Um, now, if he just blows it, if he just, you know, just is fantastic, then that's what you want. But um, but yeah, I think this is probably his last go around. My expectation for him, I won't I, again, I'll reserve that until after there's a coach in place. But I do think that generally speaking, his absolute floor, like the worst that he should be is a middle six forward and his ceiling should be a top six forward. Like, and that's probably going to come on the second line. Um, assuming that the top line stays together again, that depends on the new coach, but, um, but assuming so, I, I still think that he should be flying down the ice. And, and like you said, he needs to be more defensively responsible and he needs to just, to me, the defensive part of the game comes a lot with above the shoulders as well and he needs to just really his hockey IQ needs to take a step it needs to take a jump he can't be making boneheaded plays um, because you know he's I, I've kind of said he's the inverse of Joe Pavelski Joe Pavelski has very limited physical uh, skills that will really impress you but he is one of the smartest players in the NHL and Gurionov has all these tangibles that really, you know, captivate you. And it's hard not to be captivated when you see a guy flying through everyone and scoring these goals or unleashing a one-timer and things like that. But he doesn't think the game at the speed that the rest... And, and what happens is when you're not thinking of the game, there's four other guys on the ice with you and you're holding them back as well. So I think he needs to take those steps, but I would expect him to be uh, a middle six to top six forward. 
love all the things you said there because and I, I totally agree with you because the Dennis Giryanov that we saw in the bubble in the bubble playoffs that's the one that we're trying to get to and we've seen it we've absolutely seen it and everyone points to that one goal I believe it was against Vegas he was on the right half wall on the power play and he just let a bomb just I mean, it had to have been over 100 miles an hour. And it went straight over, uh, I can't remember who the goalie was. I think it was Fleury. It was Fleury or Leonard, one of the two. And it, it was just a bomb. It was amazing. And and uh, I, I thought right in that moment, I was like, that is a guy who has got all the confidence in the world. And that's what, when I realized that we actually had a chance to possibly win the whole thing. It was just because we were getting hot and we had a really bunch of confident guys. And I would really love to see him get back to that because, you know, the past two years we haven't really seen that kind of confidence from Dennis Garyanov. So I, I like what you what you said about him there. Um, let me go ahead and kind of segue a little bit. You talked about it a little bit with Garyanov, but it seems like there's a lot of options for the stars when it comes to top six forwards. You know, we've we've got guys who can be top six forwards. Um, you know, a couple of players that come to mind who can probably play in the top six, you know, obviously we've got the first line. That's those three guys are kind of solidified. I would put Sagan in there as well. The only players that I would, you know, maybe not consider in that top six anymore is maybe Jamie Ben needs a relegated role where he's down in the middle six or bottom six forwards. And then same thing with Gary Onuf. Maybe he would work better on a third line. So, that leads me to look at some of the players that the stars do have that could be in that top six. And there's a couple in my head, but uh, uh, is there any other players within the organization or within the current roster right now that you think could probably push for a top six role other than like maybe Ben and Gary and maybe push them down the lineup a little bit. What do you think? Um, you know, one, one player that I was, I've just been really impressed with, uh, top to bottom, his body of work has been Jacob Peterson. Um, I, I don't know exactly how he factors in and where he factors in. And, you know, he's, he's, he's a left winger center mixed kind of, you know, you can play either way. Um, and when you talk about like, obviously Robert Sahin's Favelski, and then you have Sagan in the middle on the second, I wouldn't hate seeing Peterson on the left there. And then on the right, I mean, if you have, you know, like you said, Guriano would be an option there. Um, student each showed me a little something like, I, again, like, I don't know if I want, like, I don't know if like he is a, a second line right winger on a championship team. Um, I, I'm not sure about that. Um, but yeah, I think I was a little, imp- I, I was pretty impressed with him as well. And then after that, you're starting to get a little bit more into the younger guys, right? With, with, with the guys that maybe aren't as proven yet. And so I think, yeah, you know, I, I, I do think that there is uh, they, that they have some options to fill out the top six. Um, you know, just talking talking right now off the bat, you have the top line. Like I said, if it's Peterson, Sagan, Gurianov, I could see that as something that works as long as Gurianov is playing up to his potential. Tyler is back to playing to what he needs to be at. And Jacob Peterson just takes the next step. I mean, he was a rookie last season and was still really impressive to me just the way that uh, despite being yanked in and out of the lineup, having a relegated role, changing line mates all the time, it, it just seemed that no matter what happened, he was still there and still producing. 
Um, and and he, again, he has the hockey IQ that is something that is just everyone around the organization raves about. So um, yeah, I think they have a few options, but I don't think they're just like you know overflowing with it. And I really like that you said uh, Jacob Peterson because I mean there were glimpses during the season where I was like. Did he really do that? I mean, yeah. just like just like a couple of random deeks that I was like, okay, okay, Jacob Peterson, <laughs> and I was and I was like, you know, th- th- he's shown flashes that he has something there, and I would really like to see him given the chance, and I, I think he will be given the chance, but uh, we'll have to see uh, on that. But um. So let me go ahead and ask you about uh, Miro because you just recently wrote an article about Miro and I highly suggest you go and read it uh, if you haven't uh, for those of you that are listening. But he's he talks about uh, Miro and the fact that he's been really good uh, defensively. You, you talked about this, Saad. But uh, what do you think uh, the next coach needs to do to kind of maximize uh, Miro's potential? Because... It seems like on the defensive side of the game, he's got that down to a T, which uh, we, we've seen. But he's kind of fallen off a little bit offensively. And I mean, even at the beginning of this season, we were I think Chris and I were talking about him being a possible Norris candidate because of the way he started the season. So uh, what do you think the next head coach needs to do to kind of get the most out of Miro Haskinen? Yeah, I think there's I, I think there's. Uh, there's an element of maximizing the potential on the roster that the head coach has to come in with. And that's not, that doesn't, I'll get to mirror in a second, but like, but that, that really goes for the entire roster because the stars are so tight against the cap and the Robertson and Ottinger extensions are still pending that they're not going to have a lot of money to work with. And so the coach is going to have to come in with this mindset that he is going to be able to maximize the guys. And if you're able to maximize, now to bring it to Haskinen, if you're able to maximize Haskinen, in my opinion, that is a very high ceiling. I, 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 don't think that, I, I don't think that he's come close to realizing that ceiling yet. And, um, and I don't think that it's completely his fault. Um, again, opinions can change as time goes by. But what I've seen so far is that he has played mostly on his weak side, he's a left-handed defenseman who's been playing on the right. Again, like you like you mentioned, I wrote a whole article about this, so I won't regurgitate the whole thing. But like, but it's it, it, there's a lot of elements to this where you know he's been playing on his weak side uh, on at five on five, uh, especially with Ryan Suter, a guy who's a little like uh, he's older. Again, I'm not just not to take shots at Ryan Suter or anything like that. It's just when you look at the numbers and, you know, in that story that I did, I looked at his numbers in the 540 minutes that he's played with John Klingberg throughout his career so far. And it's, it's basically the exact same line as Kel McCarr and Devin Tays in Colorado. It's the, it, it, and, and that was mostly with a 19 year old Haskinen because most of those minutes came in Haskinen's rookie year. So the point is, I think, and then, and then on top of that, He's been playing on the second power play unit. Um, and he was running point on the second power play unit. Then once they signed Suter, he was moved to the half wall on the on the second power play unit. So I think in order to maximize, you have to put him in a good position. Now they they have very little um they have very little uh you know supply of right-handed defensemen in the organization right now. 
And if John Klingberg leaves, which I would expect that he does, then I think you're even you're even shorter there now. And what do you do at that point? Do you just pair him with Yanni Hakampa, your only guy, um, and, and kind of then hope that Essa and Ryan Suter figure it out on the second pairing and Thomas Harley figure something out? Like I, I don't know. There's a lot of question marks there. But I do think that playing him on his strong side would be a good start, giving him more power play opportunities with the top unit, which, again, with Klingberg's departure, I would assume that it's just a very natural transition with Haskinen running the point uh, with, you know, uh, Robertson, Hintz, Pavelski, and Sagan there on the top unit. But, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of what I, what I think is just like, you know, you, you, you got to stop using him as a crutch because – Yes, you can put a Roman. You can put Roman Polak there. You can put Ryan Suter there. You can put Jamie Alexiak. You can put whoever you want with Miro Haskinen, and it'll end up being a respectable pairing. But Miro Haskinen is better than that. He doesn't need to just be a respectable pairing. I mean, he he needs to be in the conversation for the Norse. And look, if the Stars do this, and then Miro just fails to, I guess you know, measure up, that's a whole different conversation. But right now. We, we can't even have that conversation because he hasn't been giving a fair shot yet. So, and you, one of the things you did point out was the fact that the Stars don't have a ton of right-handed defensemen, like you mentioned. And it, you kind of already answered my next question about Klingberg. You know, you think he's gone. And we've seen some, I would say, smoke when it comes to Jeff Petrie from the Montreal Canadiens. Because I, I, there was some smoke with that I think at the trade deadline during the season that he we possibly could have gotten him and then now we're kind of starting to see a little bit on social media as well um it, he he is a right-handed defenseman which would make a ton of sense uh that the stars are going after him if uh John Klingberg really is leaving um do you know enough about Jeff Petrie to make an opinion to see how if he would be a good fit with Mira Haskinen because that would allow Mira Haskinen to play on the left side. Jeff Petrie would be a pretty good uh, shutdown role kind of defenseman. Um, could you formulate an opinion just based off of that? Yeah, I mean, with a, with an exact fit with Haskinen, I'm not sure about that. Like, I like in terms of like you know me me giving my opinion on that. But I will say that's an expensive contract through 2025. Like he's making north of six million dollars. Um, if that's something for a 34 year old. Again, I, I don't know if that's the best option. That's just where a lot of the smoke has been. Um, honestly, to be to be quite honest with you, man, like I, I don't know that there is a really good option for the present. And that's where, you know, it's gonna come to this draft. Like I really think that if a guy like Ryan Chesley's there at number eighteen, like you're gonna have to you gotta you gotta address that need. And I know they like to go with with uh with best, best player, player available yeah. and and that's fine but like but here's the thing here's here's the other thing with Miro he's 22 years old he has not even entered his prime yet so the guy that you draft the kid that you draft this season is going to be NHL ready when Miro is just entering his prime yes it's not great how that in four seasons Haskinen has mostly played one his weak side that's not ideal but at the same time a little behind but it's not too late and so I you know to, to come back to your point I don't know about someone like Jeff Petrie myself right now like there's other options on the trade market free agency is very slim pickings uh, it, it's uh 
I mean, it, you, I guess it's John Klingberg, like that's the guy. So, right. um, so it's, it's slim and free agency, but, but yeah, I do think there's a couple of avenues on the trade market, but it really, to do this right, you got to draft a guy. Uh, they tried to do that with Honka. Julius Honka was a right-handed defenseman, obviously predates Miro, but they tried to do that. Didn't work out obviously, um, but they need to, they need to address that in the draft. Yeah. And I mean, if you can just get him on the left side, I mean, we saw that in the world championships. I don't know if you were able to to watch. I was able to watch a little bit, but at the world championships, he looked great. And now and I know it's a totally different level of competition and stuff like that. Not all the best players in the world are there and everything, but he looked really comfortable. So I'm, I'm just hoping that the next coach can take care of that. So um, we're getting here pretty late. I, so let, let me, can, let's do this next question kind of like a lightning round. All right. So okay. what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you about UFAs and RFAs and mostly, mostly about the UFAs. And I'll ask you if they're going to, if they're gone or they're staying. And I, okay. I, I don't, I, we don't have to get into numbers and stuff like that, but uh, I just want to get your opinion on mostly the UFAs because the RFAs, I think most of them will probably be resigned, but right. Um, okay, so first one, uh, uh, Vladislav Nemestikov, gone or staying? Um, I'm going to say he is gone. Gone, okay. Um, Radulov, we already know, is gone because he signed in uh, the KHL. Uh, Michael Roffel. Uh, stays, and I, I mean, I'll, put on a ca- I'll put this little caveat. I think one of those two stays. Like, I don't know which one, but I think out of Nemestikov or Raffle, I think one of them stays. Um, I think they're going to carry a pretty similar price tag. Um, and and so, you know, I could see Nemesnikov staying. I could see Raffle. I don't see a situation where they both come back, but I do think one of them does. Okay. Um, John Klingberg. Gone. <laughs> Gone. Okay. Uh, Andre Sekera. Gone. Gone. Um, this one is kind of hard for me because I, I, I don't know. Um Braden Holby. Gone. Gone. Okay. Uh Scott Wedgwood. This is a little hard one for me. That's yeah, that's the hard one. Um I'm gonna say he's gone. Uh the, the not because the stars want him to be gone. Um but that contract situation with with uh, Anton Udobin is kind of dictating things right now. And uh and he still has another year at three point three million. Um you can bury a couple of million in the AHL. Um, you know, but but that's still expensive, and uh, and I think the thing is that the, the the stars really see Jake Ottinger as such a number one guy that I think they're only looking for the number two to just be good enough to give Ottinger a breather, and you got to hope that Anton Udovin is still good enough to do that, but I think it's more of a contract situation, um, and I think because of that, Wedgwood won't be back. Yeah, that stinks, because I liked Wedgwood. Yeah. Um. But again, I think Dobby can still come back in and I still think he can be uh, effective because, I mean, that's when he's been his best is when he's that backup role. And so hopefully uh, when he assuming he returns and he's healthy and again, the more more goaltender, uh, more goaltender injuries, the the stars have dealt with that so much. Um, But hopefully he can come back and do that. Okay, I got two more questions, and then we'll cut it off here tonight. Thank you for, for right. spending so long with us. I appreciate you. No um, problem. Um, this is from uh, at Green Bay of Texas. Yeah, Green Bay. Blah. 
Um, but he asked, which stars prospects in the juniors has the best chance to make the roster next season? Uh, I'm going to say Wyatt Johnston. Um, just by process of elimination, the big three obviously are Wyatt Johnston, um, Maverick Bork, and uh, Logan Stankoven. And, you know, they've had other guys, Grishnikov, and, and other guys that have, that have been uh, good in the juniors as well. But the reason why I'll go with Johnston is, to me, it, it comes down to Johnston or Maverick Bork. And Maverick Bork is going to have AHL eligibility. So I can see the stars asking him to go go get used to the professional game down in Cedar Park and then maybe bring him up at some point in the season or or maybe allow him to just play a full season in the AHL. With Wyatt, he can't play in the AHL. So it's it's yeah, I think he'll get, you know, it, it's NHL or back to juniors for him next season. And so for him, I think he'll definitely get the, uh, the nine-game trial period that you have um, before you have to make that decision of if you want to burn the first year of the entry level contract. But I think Wyatt will impress so much that they, 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 they don't have that middle ground of the AHL and they'll just end up keeping him uh, on the NHL. Cool. That, that, I'm really excited for that because uh, I mean, all three of those guys could, could be giant scorers in the NHL for the Dallas stars. And I mean, I mean, we've seen across Twitter, all the, accomplishments they've received and you know i think each of the three of them led their perspective league and points per game and stuff like that so that, that just gets me really excited okay last question this is from d butler 3856 and he's and this is specifically a question to, like specifically towards you and mm-hmm. what he asked is he asks, what's the day-to-day routine for someone who covers a professional sports team so i, I guess what what is your routine like on game day yeah, I mean, obviously the routine changes quite a bit um, from in season to off season and things like that. Uh, in season, it's very, um, you know, it's funny. I was talking to a friend literally a few hours ago, and and you know, I was saying like in season, like I never know what day of the week it is. Um, it, it there's only two <laughs> there's only two days of the week when the stars are in season. It's game day or not game day, and those are really the two days. And if you really want to you know get um you know extensive with it there's game days there's off days and there's practice days and those are really the three days that you you have as a beat reporter i think um on the job and yeah my day to day so for me i uh i i watch every so for me on on a game i'll watch the game my routine is to watch i i've watched every single stars game of the last 3 seasons at least twice so I watch the game live, obviously, whether I'm at the arena or watching, you know, from wherever. And then the next morning, I'll, I'll, I'll rewatch the game. And so that's the first thing I do the next morning. Um, and then after that, I, 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 you know, take some notes and build some topics that came from the story or from the game, whether there are stories that I can knock out that are features or analytical stuff. And I just kind of have these like separate little uh, sections um, that, that I kind of create a list of. And then from there, like, you know, it's, you know, it's just more depends on what the star schedule is. Am I going to practice interviewing a player or whatever? And then um, for me, I'm a big coffee shop guy. So I, uh, you know, whether it's after morning skate or on a practice day after practice, um, I, I choose a local coffee shop and go right. And that's basically what I do. And then, uh, 
And then on, honestly, I write and do a lot of work at night. I'm a big night owl. Um, so I'm, uh, and I think the games have kind of made me that way. And so, uh, I, yeah, I really do a lot of work at night as well. So, um, a lot of time, like I pick whether I want to work and write, um, write my stories during the day and do the research at night or do the research during the day and write at night. And I kind of just, you know, alternate between that, but really it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty, it's a really busy and hectic routine, but it, once you hit your stride, at least the way that I do it, it's pretty, it's pretty smooth. Like I said, it's morning skate practices, it's writing, it's games, it's game rewatches, and then you just kind of go from there. Yeah, that's a lot, man. That's a lot. Well, uh, I, I'm, I, I know I kind of speak for the fans when I say this, but uh, we really do appreciate all your work that you do on, uh, on the athletic. And if you haven't checked out any of Saad's uh, time when he's been on, uh, he, he typically kind of you typically kind of tweet when you're going to be doing a, a show on the ticket. But if you haven't listened to any of his shows that he's done on the ticket, I highly, highly recommend you go and do that because he does fantastic work uh, with both of those organizations, uh, the athletic and with the ticket. So, um, you know, uh, Saad, thanks for spending. This went a lot longer than I expected. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you for uh, spending all the time that you have tonight. Um, I kind of wanted you just to, to open the floor to you and just, you know, where can people find you? What are you working on? You know, anything like that. And, uh, I'll just let you have the floor real quick. Yeah, no, I, I, first of all, always happy to do it. Always enjoy talking stars hockey and, and also just, you know, stars fans are awesome, man. Like really it, it's such a passionate fan base. Um, you know, I, I understand what people say about like, you know, Dallas as a hockey market or whatever, but man. You, you you stay you're, you're around stars fans enough and it might not be the quantity of some other markets up north or whatever but i would put the i would put the passion and the uh the uh yeah just the passion of stars fans up against almost really any fan base and that's not even just talking hockey really across any sports it's it's really fun to be in the middle of it and kind of you know get to see it all um but yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Saad Yusuf126. And then, like you said, uh, work on The Athletic and uh, also on The Ticket. Um, yeah, I'm going to, you know, it's going to be fun. The next few weeks are going to be really big, uh, really the next month, because the next few weeks we'll be doing a lot more draft and free agency previews and breakdowns. Then it'll be the draft and free agency. Then we'll cover it on the other side of it um, before we kind of lay low a little bit before uh, in, in the month of August before Traverse city picks up. And then, uh, and then it's all, it's, it's the next, whatever eight months it is. So yeah, it'll be <laughs> off and running. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm already counting down the days, uh, for, for next season. I'm, I, 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 I love Stanley cup final and stuff like that. And I love hockey just in general. I can sit down and watch any game, but it, it I just get so emotionally attached to my Dallas stars that I just, you know, it, it's hard when they're not playing. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't like the summer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, I've, I've caught a lot of uh, a lot of heat, uh, pun intended. Um, I, I tweeted <laughs> out that I think summer is an absolute trash season. But it, that that's a big reason why. I mean, obviously, being in Texas, you're dealing with all the heat. But I'm like, I'm looking like I was thinking about what I'm going to do tonight, aside from like, you know, chatting with you today. Um, I was like, there's no NBA finals. Obviously that's over. We've got 
anywhere from three to six hockey games left. And then we're done with that. And then it's like, what are we doing? You know, or just watching like live golf or PGA tour golf. That is and... so weird that you just <laughs> said that. Cause I was literally thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just like, it's just, it, it gets into tough times, man. And, and that's really my main reason that you got no NFL. I got no college football. I got no NBA are about to have no NHL. Um, you got the World Series, College World Series, I guess. Yeah, you know, yeah. Not, not, I'm not the biggest baseball guy, so. Yeah, yeah. me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, uh, thanks, man, again uh, for, for doing this, and uh, really appreciate you. And, uh, again, guys, seriously, go, go and show him some love. Go and subscribe to The Athletic. Uh, he does some absolute fantastic work there, and I've I myself has have a subscription. I've had one for almost two years now, so seriously, go in and check that out. And Saad, once again, thanks for joining us, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yep. And we're gonna close it out here today, you guys. My name's Ryan. This has been Starcastic Remarks, and we will catch you guys on the flip side. Have a good evening, morning, whenever you're listening.